0: Welcome to Season 2 of This Is Me. My name is Siobhan. In Season 1, we met everyday Australians and they shared with us their life-changing moments. In this new season of This Is Me, we not only have a new logo, but we have 10 inspiring stories that will hopefully let you walk a mile in someone else's shoes. If you have a story you would like to share, you can DM us. At This Is Me podcast on Instagram. This week we hear Louisa's story. Trigger warning this episode contains stories of addiction and self harm.
1: My name is Louisa. My husband and I ended our marriage early 2000. I found myself without enough money to function, and suddenly I found myself being a high class escort to survive.
0: There's some stains on your photo. They all cracks on your rusty frame. So Louisa, tell me about the early days.
1: I didn't grow up with my mum. I grew up with my dad and my nana. Um, my parents were ducks school captains at high school 1967, they got pregnant with me. It wasn't the dumb thing. My mother lasted in that situation about 18 months. She went off to Darwin. I didn't meet her again till I was 10. So I was a very confused kid.
0: So you were brought up by your father and your grandmother? Yeah.
1: My dad was only like 18, so I'm not sure. I've got sons. I couldn't imagine what that was going to be like. My nana looked after me when I was five, dad remarried to my English stepmom. And uh, when I was 11, we got to go and live overseas. We went to Quebec where they all spoke French. I had no French. Then we went to Yorkshire where my stepmother was from, came back to Australia. I was a horribly insecure, didn't belong anywhere, confused teenager going into high school. I left home at 15. My parents were very strict. They said if you're going to live under my roof, our roof, you must do our rules. I just moved out age 15 with a busker, got a job in a poster shop. My boss was a horrible alcoholic. He raped me. This forced me to leave Brisbane and go and live in Sydney.
0: What were you when you had your first child?
1: I was 20. I was with my first husband. I found myself pregnant. Um, Had the baby in Tasmania.
0: Did you have more children with this man? I
1: did. I went on to have my second son three years later. I married that husband on the tail end of his jail, sentence for fraud. Um, Yeah, it, it was a very toxic, unconventional relationship. It went for a long time.
0: Did you know about this criminal history?
1: Yeah, I did. I just like excitement, bad people. I don't know what's wrong with me. Back then, um, I was just looking to be loved. And he, when I first met him, I was very young. He presented as someone that was wealthy. I believed that. And we had a very tumultuous 10-year relationship which should have really ended after year one
0: when did your relationship or your marriage end
1: it ended in the year 2000 um, he told me that i couldn't survive without him i didn't have money i was working um, i actually did family daycare in the middle of that for kevin rudd of all people but my husband told me I could never survive without him and I I wouldn't have enough money to live. So after about 3 months I realized I was going I was not surviving. We didn't split our property, we didn't do child support. I was considering bankruptcy myself.
0: Did you speak to your family about this, like your father and stepmother or your grandmother?
1: Too embarrassed too embarrassed. They'd already helped me when the baby was quite young but I, I I just you know they're very well off people but I just felt like I couldn't call on them. I needed to sort this problem out for myself.
0: How did you sort it out? What did you do?
1: I started telling people that I was struggling for money and friends said why don't you do stripping and I am the worst uncoordinated person in the world. Um, Anyway, one thing led to another. They said, we know someone who's very like you, and if stripping isn't the thing, maybe this other thing would be better. Um, I met her. She showed me what to do. I became a high-class escort. Within about three weeks, I was earning triple what my job was paying. So I had this exciting secret that nobody knew, but I thought how clever I was, that I'd solved my problem of how am I gonna live with no child support? How am I gonna raise my boys? How am I gonna pay my mortgage? I found myself in a world where, one, it was secret and taboo, so that became very addictive. The people in that world looked after me and rebuilt my self-esteem. They were like fathers, grandparents to me. Um, They treated me better than anyone from what I call real world treated me. And slowly my self-esteem started to grow. I felt beautiful. I was in my early 30s. I suddenly felt like I belonged to a community where not only was I appreciated but I was paid a crazy amount of money. Most people would consider that world ugly and think about it on the street. If you can imagine the sex part of it was so minuscule, I can't tell you. Um, It was mainly lonely married men who were older that had no sexual relationship with their wives. They just enjoyed spending time with me and talking. The, the bit that you'd think was so horrible, um, it, it was a tiny bit of the whole procedure. All the other escorts I met, they were like me, they were well-educated, worldly, smart, beautiful, all had children. I'm a real risk-taking person. So I thought on the tail end of being so sad, one, I'm going to have enough money and two, this sounds pretty exciting. And also it was pretty immediate, like from the first moment where I met the first person and got the first one out of the way, it kind of became a bit addictive. Also a big secret, like everyone else is working nine to five jobs and there you are looking glamorous in the middle of the day. Keep in mind this is all daytime when people go to work. Um, and you're dressing up, you're looking beautiful, you're sipping mm-hmm. champagne. And at the end of the day, you're taking home more than what you would take home in a week of work.
0: Can you tell me about your first job? Do you remember getting dressed? Did you have to wear special underwear?
1: Um. Yeah... The first job is terrifying because you're going to meet someone that you've never met before. They're going to see you naked. I was wearing beautiful long red dresses, stockings, um, beautiful lingerie, stuff I had never really worn before. I'd been married for years. I'd been in long-term relationships from when I was 15. I often got, what is a nice girl like you doing here? I probably gave a lot more than your average person does in, in perhaps a brothel type situation. Typically in the beginning, you would see five people a day.
0: Oh my goodness. Mm. It's exhausting. Yep.
1: (laughs) Um, There's problems in it. There was a lot of day drinking to be that person it's sort of like putting on a play it's sort of like suddenly you are not the person that you really are you your your confidence grows in what it is that you're delivering after a very short period of time I had regular clients how much does you, it cost you back then you charge $300 for an hour initially you offer smaller timeframes like 20 minutes to three quarters of an hour. You try and price it above everybody else. So you want older gentlemen. You do not want young men.
0: Why don't you want young men?
1: They don't know how to treat women. They're just in for something very quick and easy. Older gentlemen want a connection. You will be asked to go out to dinner, maybe dessert. Uh, you will be paid 1500 to 2000 go and do that if you market that correctly there are trips overseas if you want them just before september 11 my girlfriend's my girlfriend and i were offered thirty thousand dollars each to go to abu dhabi that was one of the highest paid jobs regularly there were weeks where i would clear six thousand a
0: week so you said this was during the day Mm. were your kids at school yeah and were you able to come home and pick them up?
1: Yeah, that's exactly why I worked like that.
0: Did you pay in cash?
1: Always cash. This was a problem because it's very difficult to operate your life okay. in cash. Going to the bank with all this money, you can't look people in the eyes. Um, you have a lot of cover stories and everything is vague but it rankles with your soul. Um, You're selling a lot more than yourself. It was therapeutic for both me and them, but I'm not a single person. I wanted to have a relationship. So not too far into that adventure, I met my second husband. He was a performer, a comedian. We fell in love. I remember he held my hand and I was in love and I didn't know how to negotiate that. He wasn't working, he didn't have any money. He moved into my house the next day after we met. It was one of those super crazy, excited times. I didn't know what to say, I lied. I just said, I go off every day and I work as a receptionist for an interior designer. And these lies, it felt like I was an actor. Every day I went out and I felt like I was somebody else. I had a different name. I identified with being a whole
0: different person. What was your name?
1: My name was Victoria. I gauged my whole identity on Victoria Beckham. (laughs) (laughs) Spice Girls. Posh Spice.
0: So with the clients that you had, um, you mentioned that they were around 60-70 years of age, is that right?
1: Upward to 70, maybe 80, all married. They just appreciated someone they could talk to and be intimate and and touched.
0: Do you think the wives knew?
1: One wife definitely did because when I met my husband, that's how that's one way he found out what I was doing. Basically, someone's divorce case. Someone that was coming to see me. His wife hired a PI, a private investigator. Um, they started sending hostage-style letters to my husband. They were following me. They followed me for a while. It was just before we were about to get married.
0: How did he react when he found that? He thought you were a receptionist mm-hmm. at a interior design.
1: Um, our our worlds pretty much fell. Apart,
0: yeah.
1: Um, obviously, I had to just say that I've got to stop doing that immediately. But that
0: that to get
1: out of that, it takes time. It's really you can't just on a Friday decide, okay, well, all that's stopped now, and I will go and find a job, and everything will be transparent. It's quite a process. The foundation of our marriage was damaged irreparably, once you erode trust, your life is a slippery, slippery slope. We got over that and we got married, but the damage was done. It depressed him terribly. There were days when I saw him feel fetal possession weeping. It's the worst pain that you could deliver to another person, but in your mind, you're just doing a job. You're just doing a job. The sex is, doesn't mean anything. It's one of my hugest regrets in life, delivering that level of pain, because I considered that I needed to earn a living.
0: Did you have any strange requests from clients?
1: Yes, I did. There was humiliation requests. To get down on the floor and pretend to be a puppy dog really bizarre things
0: seem to pretend to be no me but you yeah and what would they do then
1: Ah, oh, it's it's about humiliation some people really get off on s and I did go with a person to Sydney regularly to attend salon kitties which is an ancient dungeon place they've got swings dungeons I did that a few times. I did it because the money was enormous. Um, By about time four, I couldn't do it anymore. It was making me feel sick.
0: So when you were intimate with these men, was that normally you would do that, then you would talk afterwards? Is Mm, that what sort of happened? Yeah. And did you enjoy being intimate with them? Was that something of enjoyment for you? Sometimes
1: very much. Wow. The stranger, I don't know, it, it, it's some sort of weird psychological. Mm. The more taboo, the more strange. Yeah, it, 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 it definitely damages you a little. You become desensitised and you look for things that are very strange.
0: Did your children have any idea you were doing this? No. Do they know now?
1: Yes, yes. That came because of my second husband. Any we would argue, he would threaten that he would take half my house away from me um, and tell my children. Mm. What a disgusting person I, I really was. He, he would use that as a threat. I believe it's what drove him to do all the things he did. Me hurting his psyche and my addiction led to his addiction and going off and having affairs and by the time our marriage was ended it was horrible he was disappearing he told me I had no business knowing where he was I think in a crazy way he was just trying to trying to get back at me trying to hurt me as much as I had hurt him so I felt it was my punishment um and one Sunday I tried to end my life. I didn't know where he was. I kept ringing him, saying, look, I'm I'm lost. I don't know how to fix this. Next minute I know it's Sunday afternoon in suburbia and I'm waking up in my bedroom to ambulance and police. And that was the moment where I said, this is how much earning a living and how much lying and betrayal This is where it can take you and I knew in that moment when they took me off to the psych ward I knew if I didn't do something that this was going to kill me. This was going to really be my downfall.
0: What had you done to wake up that way?
1: I I did have a pretty bad alcohol problem during this phase. Um, I decided that I would just drink an entire bottle of gin to myself, and cut my wrists. I, I'd been trying to Google what to do um, but some of the methods just like I just knew I couldn't do it. Um, I told my husband I, I said I'm, this is what I'm doing. He didn't come and check on me. He didn't come and I was in hospital in the psych ward and he, he, he just left me there. Um, And that was when I thought okay, all your choices and decisions to this point, if you don't change your entire life right now, you're not going to make it. This guilt and everything is going to kill you. He eventually came back. I was terrified of him. He was violent and he'd lost all this weight. I now know that he was a fully blown ice addict. And he just said to me, I'm gonna ruin you. I'm gonna take your house, I'm gonna tell all your family. And I haven't seen him since that day. And it still hurts, it still hurts. Since then, I've taken a lot of steps to try and be a better person. I've met someone new. But within one day of meeting my someone new, I had to tell them about my past. But really what I wanted to do was lay out a better foundation that I wouldn't betray someone um, with, with such an evil, horrible lie. I still have to see a psychologist as regularly as I can to remind myself that I'm not an evil person. I still feel evil Um, because even telling the story you just think how can you think that that was a way to be and then even over time you just let it get bigger and worse but it became just a problem I couldn't figure a way to climb out of and you just kid yourself that, that you are this amazing person but it's all built on smoke and mirrors. But the funny part about all that is today, a lot of those people from my life still still care and they still contact me.
0: Your clients?
1: Yeah. They still contact me to try and make sure I'm okay. I tell them I still haven't figured out how to make a, li- a living, but I will. I said it's my, it's, it's my motivator I suppose. But I'm very determined ever to betray someone. Like I never once thought about their wives or anything like that, only because I knew they wouldn't know. And it, it is interesting what you don't know doesn't hurt you. Mm.
0: How would you feel if you're in a really loving relationship now, if your partner had visitation with a high class escort and not telling you how would that make you feel
1: i would be horrified (laughs) yeah it it would be horrifying Mm. yeah i i would hate it but it's such a double standard hypocritical thing but i i don't want it to define me i want i want to live the rest of my life with much more integrity and transparency to other people And really that's what I want people to know that even if your story is playing out that way you can rewrite it you can walk down some paths and um, make it a story that you're more proud of in fact that's the hardest thing I was proud of my business and I felt like I belonged but at the same time I was deeply deeply ashamed
0: looking ahead
1: my boys are the ones that make me proud I think they would see me as a fine, upstanding person. I like to be proud of myself today. What I've done in the past doesn't define who I am in the future.
0: There's some stains on your photo, they all cracks on your rusty frame. Beyond Blue provides information and support to help everyone in Australia achieve their best possible mental health. The Beyond Blue support service provides advice and support via telephone 24-7. Just call 1300 22 or contact them at beyondblue.org.au.